Hello and welcome back fellow riders on Bus Talk, a podcast about work-life issues which crowd our minds each day. Myth-busting into reality, Bus Talk shares stories, anecdotes, observations, some tips and tricks to better your work-life balance or lack thereof. Simply put, it's a straight talk to help you cope with various work-life situations without having to reinvent the wheel. And yes, there is a lot of traffic, so it does take time. We go slow, steady and at our own pace. If this is what piques your interest, you're on the right bus. So sit back, turn up the volume and enjoy the ride. I'm your host GB and you're listening to Bus Talk. Today's ride, we must talk about layoffs. Recent announcement from large MNCs suggests that more than 5% of their workforce is going to be laid off. While layoffs in general are nothing new, but the manner in which this announcement was made is particularly worth noticing. What they said is approximately 5% of our lowest performers and these individuals have been identified they will transition out of the company now imagine what this piece of news does to those people who are perhaps still with the company it must be devastating for them imagine their mental state their mental well-being their friends their family when they read this what havoc this piece of news would have caused in their lives so let's dive in to this situation objectively and try to understand how this could have been done little differently so friends let's try and understand how did these bottom five percenters get into the system in the first place were they hired any differently were the processes changed to hire such people or were they experiencing the same standard procedures that also hired the top 10 percenters or the top five percenters so what are those five or six or ten points that made the same people who were erstwhile the best in class become bottom performers and now being exited out of the system so here are ten points number one these were the same people who were headhunted by multiple recruiters chasing them with compelling offers inviting them to join the same organization number two These were the same people shortlisted from 50 screenings or more than 500 resumes that were skipped to come to this shortlisted number of people. Number three, these are the same people who are evaluated by at least five qualified people within the organization during the interviewing rounds. These people come from various parts of the organization at various seniority levels and they make sure that the candidate is thoroughly vetted out only and only after they pass all these five qualified people over a two three month period that these people are made an offer to join the organization number four these are the same people who are hired as better replacements than the erstwhile employees in the system number five these are the same people who are found to be competent from the last two reference checks number six found to be qualified from an external third-party agency background check so so that their authenticity, their documentation and all other past performances and integrity and all those issues are double-checked. Number seven, 
these are the same people who are hired with joining bonuses in some cases. I know these are the tough times right now, but there were times when joining bonuses were given to attract talent. Number eight, these are the same people who are hired by buying off notice periods, those 45 day, 60 day, or even 30 day notice periods. Why? Because there's a deadline, headcounts might go away. So hire fast, hire quickly and get people on board. When I say waved off, I mean they were bought over and these talented people came on board very quickly. Number nine, these are the same people which were hired after evaluating your competition. The company looked across the competitive landscape found these two or three people who were their top performers and they were invited to join the company. Number 10, it was the same people who were assessed to be the best culture fits for the organization during the course of the extensive interviewing rounds. So therefore, my friends, the question is, after such a stringent vetting and thorough assessment process, how do bottom performers get into the system? Now you can argue they were not bottom performers when they were hired. They became bottom performers during their tenure. Now that begs the question, what did the organization do to make a so-called top performer descend into the bottom quadrant of performance matrix? Has the forest failed them or did they fail the forest? What did the organization do to take away the tiger quotient from their repertoire? Because these were the same tigers and cheetahs that the hiring team was looking to get on board. And so it begs the question that if they were all tigers when hired, how do they become a herd of sheep and asked to leave publicly? It baffles me. How does a once favored employee become a low performing, low impact talent? which in many cases were the same people who had been appraised well, promoted, given a raise or MVP awards during their tenure. Was it all a fake then? Is anyone even questioning those who hired them or the hiring processes which apparently were so airtight and yet let in so many bottom performers? There has to be a truth at either end. Which one is it? It's important to realize, friends, that nobody is denying the reality of layoffs. Finance plays an important role to keep organizations afloat. And while it being unfortunate, these are tough decisions which need to be done. There is no denying or debating that. But the manner in which it is done can certainly be dignified. It does not warrant a public announcement in the given manner. Or could there be a sinister angle to this? One does hear hushed tones to force fit people into a bell curve bracket to justify a percentage number given to maintain balance in the system. Could the people deliberately be put into the bottom of the table and let go on performance issues so that a company does not have to pay a hefty severance package? We may just never know. Mental health experts can better vein on this, but imagine the plight of these people who are currently in the system and read the news in the media they must be devastated, leading to perhaps depression or even a total breakdown. Who's going to be responsible for their breakdown? And why this breakdown? Because they were deemed to be incompetent. This incompetency comes from data and performances are determined by data. But data alone does not paint the full picture. A data set can be analyzed either ways. You could be a conqueror or a traitor. You could be a victim or the victor. 
depends on how a data set is being interpreted. Give an example. Think of a sales rep missing her forecast in a tough patch. Say the final attainment is a 99%. So is that good? Or is it bad? How do you look at it? That at least she tried or the fact that she failed? The absolute naked truth that you missed 100% target or the fact that you at least got to 99% attainment? And so does it make her a bottom performer? And think on the flip side. What if a sales rep got his numbers from a cash rich account, which was annuity based repeat business, year on year revenue generating repeatable business? Basis this marquee account, this rep hits 110% attainment, an account which was anyways giving revenue and all this person did was to maintain relationships, become the check collection person and book the order. So does that make him a top performer? I know I'm simplifying this. There are complexities on both these examples, which do not meet the eye, but at a simple level, this is the crux of the matter, isn't it? Net of it, leaders will look back on appraisals, basis these outcomes and decide the fate of these employees. We often hear that people are hired for the organization and not for a particular role. So that being said, why not fit them into other roles in the organization? What stops you from doing that? Or are they assuming that people are bottom 5%ers are not good for anything else? If they did not succeed in one role, does it automatically mean that they are unfit for other roles? If they are not good for an organization, will they suddenly become bad resources? Will they lose their skill sets, basis which they were hired in your organization in the first place? I guess not. Imagine the fate of people like Elon Musk, Jack Ma or even Larry Ellison. If they were on such a list, how would they emerge? You know, their careers have had so many failures, mistakes, wrong decisions, but they succeeded against all odds. Maybe because they were a part of an ecosystem which allowed them to flourish in other avenues and ventures. There is a reason why these gentlemen are considered greats because not only did they have talent, but they had strong beliefs about their idea, vision or mission which won over the support of people who in turn look beyond their immediate failures or the lack of skill sets at the time. And rest, as they say, is history. Yes, one can argue that these are but rare occurrences or exceptions to the rule. But would you not rather err on the side of positivity than ignorance or indifference? Who knows, one pat on the back could encourage someone to go above and beyond their imagination. Are you therefore as a sales manager, as a people manager, being an enabler? Are you providing that platform of time and patience? You know, being a foodie, I can safely share the best cooks take time to prepare their dishes, isn't it? Which is why there are only two fast food restaurants as of last year, I think, to get a Michelin star award. You know, this is the highest category of awards that a restaurant can aspire to have the Michelin star. So there are just two fast food restaurants which have got a Michelin star. Rest all three star Michelin restaurants are fine dining, painstakingly perfect, which consume a lot of time. I guess what I'm trying to say is chicken and rice mix is quicker to make, but it's not biryani. In a closer home, one 
cannot expect to cook a proper biryani in 30 minutes. It takes hours of preparation time and patience with the right heat and the pressure before the final outcome takes your breath away. Because biryani takes so much of time, will you quit making biryanis? Is that it? Similarly, there are employees who need time to blossom while some flourish quicker. If you are a good people manager, yes, it's hard work to develop that talent. It's time consuming. You need more bandwidth. It perhaps drains you of your energy to be invested in somebody else's success. Nobody said it was going to be a walk in the park. But just ask those who have shaped futures. They'll tell you it's worth every single bit of sacrifice and pain that you go through the process. If you're impatient, should you be a people manager in the first place? Are you being ultra attention deficient and buying what is ready-made instead of investing time to nurture the latent talent. Quick to hire and quick to fire seldom does wonders to the team's confidence and productivity and overall organizational growth. If your entire floor is nervous that they might lose their job the next time they falter or fail or miss a forecast, imagine what that pressure will do to their performance. When everyone is nervous about their longevity, they do not row in sync. And what happens then? The oars collide. What happens to the boat then? It stalls. There are many ways a resource can be redeployed. If they're not good at rowing, why not explore what they are good at and redirect them towards it? Does it not save money? Does it not increase productivity? Does it not make sense? Of course it does. This is hard work, no doubt. But at the end of it, you make a career which shines above all, making big business impact. It makes a career impact, no doubt, but it makes a bigger business impact. And that's what matters. While it's true that despite redeployment efforts, there's still might be some situations where people do not manage to retain their jobs. But there is a dignified way of exiting an organization with the backing of your management, the confidence of your mates, that you will fare well elsewhere. Unfortunately, it didn't work out here, but you, we wish you well because while we hired you, we knew you were the best available talent for the role. Is that too much to ask? And so when these organizations hire again, they acquire a set of people who are well aware of the situation and mostly coil up without exploring their true potential. They're fearful of making a mistake. They only do as much required or as much as asked, just to stay afloat above the median, to be in the middle of the bell curve. What this does to the business is create a culture of mediocrity. And they begin to believe this mediocrity as a standard of excellence. So when they manage to hire someone truly excellent, they're often misread as rebels or fall into the not a culture fit bracket because this person questions a lot. This person does not fall in line and so on and so forth. So isn't it ironic then that organizations hammer people to fit into their organization culture and when these people finally fit into that culture box, the organization goes out externally to hire someone to think outside the box. How ironic is that? It's no wonder then we see an increased indifference between both the parties. And so mediocrity robs the organization of a double-digit growth. It costs the company money, but because these organizations are too big to fail, these situations continue to prevail. This transactional nature of business leaves no space for bonding, sense of belonging and collective growth. Like they say, capitalism and fairness are like chalk and cheese. They are just a bad combination.
The idea is not to denounce capitalism, friends, but the ask is to do it in a dignified way. I guess in the end, Howard Roark was right after all. Form is temporary, class is permanent. Well, that's all for now. I hope you had a good time listening as much as I had sharing these thoughts. And if you did, do tune in to the other episodes of Bus Talk. Yes, you could share them on Facebook or Twitter and with especially those who might appreciate similar content. And if you need to talk to me or reach out to me, you can use the Twitter handle hashtag Gyanban, spelled as G-Y-A-N-B-A-N, one word, or email me on gyanban at gmail.com. Again, spelled as G-Y-A-N-B-A-N-N. Be sure to tune in next week. There is a fascinating episode coming up for you. Till we meet again, stay safe, be well, and bring your A-game to work. Ciao. Thank you.